Hey everybody, this is your host, Matt Castellini, and welcome to Chicago Capital. We have a great episode lined up today, but before that, a word from our sponsors, World Business Chicago. As the city of Chicago's economic development organization, World Business Chicago supports founders and our local startup ecosystem with their flagship programs like the Chicago Venture Summit, Startup Chicago, Think Chicago, and Venture Engine with the Illinois Science and Technology Coalition. Follow WBC on LinkedIn and Twitter to learn more on why Chicago thrives as a global destination for founders, innovators, and investors. Rich, how are you? Great to have you on the show. I'm doing well. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I think it's always great to start out with a rundown of your background, uh, a rundown of you know what led you to starting New Era. Uh, ADR. And uh, just want to say at the outset, you know, I believe you're an alumni ventures portfolio company. So uh, it's great to great to have a Porco on the on the show. But, uh, you know, we won't show we won't play favorites here. You know, I'm still going to ask the grilling hard questions. Uh, so just to be aware. But yeah, no, uh, it would be great to get the background of yourself and the founding story, I guess, of the company. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and yeah, shout out to um to AV uh, and Eric Hammer. Right, you guys have actually been really good partners um to to my team my team and me. So you know, really really glad uh, to have you guys on board from you know pretty much the very beginning. So it's been great. Um, yeah. And speaking of that beginning, right? So you know, four of us on the founding team, um, you know, all came from venture backed uh, tech companies. Actually, all all around Chicago. Um, you know, three of us are, you know, are, are attorneys, um, you know, that led legal departments at these companies. Uh, and, you know, our fourth co-founder has been in and around like legal and operations and just one of those like amazing, you know, can do everything type folks who also knows kind of the pain that we're solving. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the reason that our legal backgrounds are, are relevant is because, you know, we're, we're solving this kind of age old problem, right, of, of why it costs so damn much to resolve a legal dispute in this country, right? And, um, you know, and our, real quick from, you know, our backgrounds, I've been an attorney for 16 years. My my two co-founders who are attorneys, Colin and Shane, for 20 and 14 years, respectively. Um, you know, I've had a little bit of a kind of un unconventional legal career, um, you know, started at a law firm, did that for a year, quickly realized that's not what I wanted to do. Um, went into IP investment banking, so brokering a lot of technology transactions, buy side and sell side, um, helping a lot of companies divest a lot of non-core kind of technology portfolios, and then buy side, helping a lot of companies buy them. Um, you know, and then that led me into two different startups. Um, one was a fintech startup. I joined when it was a small, I think, 10-person shop. Um, joined them as general counsel, but kind of worked across the business, um, helped grow that over three and a half years. And then we sold that actually to... Um, Chicago Board Options Exchange here in Chicago. Um, and then before that so closed, I joined um, my previous company, Civis Analytics, um, also a local Chicago company. Data science companies started by the data team from President Obama's 2012 campaign, um, kind of taking all their learnings and, and, you know, tech that they built, you know, when they reelected the president in 2012 and applied it to all these different industries. Um, so I joined about a year after they were founded. Um, one of the first, I think, 40-ish employees um, and then built and scaled that uh, for six and a half years with the team there. 
uh, before you know leaving in December of 2020 to get ready to to launch New Era with um, you know my co-founders. Um, but yeah, the reason why we did it, right, is I mean it, you don't need to be a lawyer to understand this. Um, I mean, you know, when I say the word litigation, when I say the word lawsuit, right, it's it's really really messed up that in our heads we already assume that it's you know a two year long process, millions in fees. Um, and it's going to take forever and just be a massive distraction, right? And and we've all just kind of come to accept that that's just the way it is, you know. And what's really even more messed up is that then all of our decision making when it comes to any sort of you know legal dispute, whether or not it's actually been you know filed or not, is all driven by that and like and whether or not we want to engage in that slog or you know avoid it. But then if you avoid it nothing ever gets resolved a lot of times. And that animosity and acrimony just just stews, right? And it sours relationships between companies, between individuals. Um, and so our premise was, you know, it actually doesn't need to be that way, right? And, and, you know, we personally have experienced this problem internally, right? We've managed our own fair share of lawsuits at our companies. And, you know, the only thing that our CEOs ever say to us is like, hey, like, this is a massive distraction. I'm done. Just I want it done. They don't care about the evidence. They don't care about arguments. They don't care about chances of winning. They just want it resolved. So because it's going to be a distraction um, and sometimes they might want to know how much it's going to cost. Right. And so our premise was the current systems that are set up, our court system, um, current arbitration systems, they're just they're, they lend themselves to these long extended fights. So we basically said, let's create you know a brand new platform you know, that kind of takes the place literally of in the court system or traditional arbitration, right? And on our platform, you're going to get a resolution in 60 or 100 days, right? Versus, you know, a year plus, probably more at arbitration, two plus years, way more, right? In in litigation. I mean, one of my co-founders, um, Colin, has a story where six and a half years um, of, of litigation, 1.2 million in fees, they settled for $30,000, right? Um, and it was what his client said that also helped trigger this, which is, you know, at the end of six and a half years, what's really messed up is that I still haven't gotten a chance to tell just the judge what happened, right? And so that that's kind of the the founding premise. Um, but what we did was we built this, um, created our own set of rules, ran it by countless litigators, arbitrators, judges, um, to make sure that it was you know had rigor. Um, but you know, you'll get a binding resolution in sixty or hundred days, still from some of the most experienced arbitrators and mediators in the country. So therefore, we can say it's, you know, it's 90% faster and cheaper, you know, but the quality of your resolution is going to be just as good. And all of this takes place fully online, fully digitally. So you're, you don't have to fly lawyers in town. You don't have to fly elsewhere. Um, you know, everything simply just works. And we built a platform to kind of manage, you know, that entire process. Um, so that's kind of the, the foundation, right, of what we built. And kicking off, I guess, is it mainly used by corporations? Mm -hmm. Is it used by individuals? Is it is it sort of a mix? What what's sort of the um, use cases today, and um, you know how do you see that changing in the future, if at all? Good question. Um, it's built across the board for for use across the board, right? Certainly, you know, corporations you know are using us heavily, and by by using right, what's what's really cool about our entire business is to adopt us. It's the easiest thing you've ever implemented that's going to save you like 90% of your time and money, right? Because you literally change your contracts. So at the end of every contract you've ever signed, every any terms and conditions you've ever clicked through, there's always a clause that says, if we have a dispute, 
this is where we're going to resolve it, right? The courts in Chicago or wherever. People just change that to say, we're going to reserve resolve it at new era ADR. Um, and that means for all your future cases, you've saved, you know, up to 90% in time and money. So certainly companies are doing this, but individuals, um, we're actually resolving a lot of things, uh, disputes involving just individuals, right? Um, and that was always part of the plan was like, you know, the legal system right now is so inaccessible to people. Um, you know, I mean, it doesn't even matter if you can afford to hire a lawyer, but especially, you know, the folks who can't. Um, you know, this is applicable, you know, all across the board, right? And, and so from an individual standpoint, we've actually resolved a lot of cases, disputes on college campuses, right, around like Title IX disputes, um, and resolved them in a way where like all parties, you know, actually had good reviews and like appreciate, had good feedback about the platform. Um, there was actually a really, really good case recently, right, where um, an individual actually, you know, filed a claim against a large corporation. But what that did, what this process allows for is, is it allowed for the two sides to actually come together amicably, right? And, and actually hash out details because they know that neither side is actually trying to create a bunch of unnecessary pain, you know, just because of the rules that are in place in these other places. So they actually got this thing resolved really quickly. So individual to individual, certainly company to company. But, you know, this is a really good example of, you know, kind of making the entire legal system you know, just way more accessible. I mean, here's an individual who didn't have a lawyer, you know, filing a case against a large corporation and they hashed it out really, really quickly and got it done actually outside of our platform, right? Um, and I think that's a that's a really good kind of microcosm of, you know, what we're trying to, to achieve here, which is changing just how we think about that word lawsuit and litigation, right? And changing that from like a painful like, you know, I mean, highly acrimonious process to here's a thing where like neither of us could figure out how to hash it out between the two of us. Let's just have someone else make a call um, and get this thing resolved. Right. So we can go back to our lives. Not a single person or company wants to spend more time and money necessary, you know, on on resolving legal disputes. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know why, but I always think of the opening scene of Wedding Crashers, and I, I mean, but it but it's so true. And I I'm I'm just like mm -hmm. curious about. I'm not super well versed in the in the legal world. I've never um I you know never been sued, not yet. I don't know. Um, but yeah, knock on wood. But you know, if if uh, you mentioned the words like a binding resolution, mm -hmm. um. So, you know, people come to your platform, they have some type of dispute with an individual or an organization, and you basically, it seems like you digitize a ton of the workflow and sort of, it feels like the tasks that were just, they take too long. And yeah. it really is part of the problem is just the backlog that I think a lot of legal firms have and just the, the human problem of, you know, attending to all these cases. But so you found a way to kind of digitize and streamline that process. Mm -hmm. But at the very end of the day, um, you go out to a third party that is going to sort of still make the decision on their end. And then is that legally a legally binding decision or how does that work? It is. That's a really good question. It, it is legally binding. And that's what we mean by binding resolution, right? Is that it is, it has the force of law behind it, right? And it's just, a, it's the same as current arbitration today, right? So certainly court decisions, those of course have the, the, the force of law. And arbitration, what happens, and this is similar kind of across the board, is that when you get that binding arbitration decision, because the courts recognize arbitration forums, are like platforms like ours and some of the other ones, as legitimate kind of arbitration forums and their decisions are recognized by the courts, that means, let's say you and I have a dispute, you get a binding decision, 
um, that says, you know, rich pay Matt, you know, $10,000. Um, and I don't, you can take that decision now to court and get, you know, get that enforced. Right. And so you, you yeah. will get a court order saying rich pay Matt. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And then I think I'd love to touch on the business model aspect of this. So, you know, how you all make money and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where those sort of revenue streams come from and, um, you know, in the future, how that how that may change or what you feel like is the optimal revenue you know, structure for all parties involved. It feels like there's multiple sort of parties here involved. So I'm just curious about the revenue mm -hmm. and the cost side. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, with um, the revenue structure, I, I would say, you know, from a business model standpoint, right? Some of our kind of core tenants are, you know, um, I mean, the, the, the ease of use, um, cost predictability, right, is, is huge. Um, and then, of course, like easing a lot of kind of big pains um, um, in the market, right? Um, and then, you know, very, very low friction to adoption, right? And, and kind of, as I kind of touched on already a little bit earlier, right? To adopt us and, you know, at the most basic level, it's free and incredibly easy to do. You know, it's, you know, a lot of our clients, actually, we've had clients kind of tell us like, hey, this is crazy. This is like the the easiest to implement thing that, you know, saves us like needle moving amounts of time and, and money. Um, so at a basic level, you know, on a kind of per case basis, if there was just a case that was filed against you um, or you filed a case against, you know, on the platform, everything's, you know, flat fee, right? So and all these other places, you have so much variability. It's all as a function of time because of the way we built our procedures and the way these things work and the process it goes through. It's much more predictable because we put a lot of boundaries around it. And so what that allows everybody to have is like know kind of how much you're in for, right, to get this thing resolved. Um, so that's on a per case basis. But then then we have, you know, kind of very interesting things where you know, now that we've built this foundation that I described, you know, at the top of the show around this, you know, much faster and much more efficient dispute resolution platform. Now we said, let's go tackle some of like the really outsized pains that are going on in the market, right? Instances where, for instance, companies are, you know, sometimes, you know, getting hit with um, certain actions that faith that frankly are so expensive to even start. That you know they they sometimes end up settling, but then that doesn't really help anybody because cases aren't actually being heard. The people's cases, um, individuals' cases aren't actually being heard. So we created a thing, a product that allows for you know to reduce the cost of these cases to allow them to actually proceed and actually have people's stories be heard. Um, and so that companies can subscribe to that because that also kind of allows them you know access to not have to you know kind of resolve these you know, in, in this way, you know, by simply exchanging money and actually, you know, actually resolving this on like what actually happened and, and the story. So that that's where we get a lot of subscriptions to um, from companies of all sizes, um, you know, Fortune 500s, um, all the way down to kind of mid-market companies. Um, and what's really, really, you know, exciting for us is, you know, that just the breadth and range of the types of companies, you know, that are on our platform that have already adopted us, um, you know, in just a little over a year, you know, but also, you know, they're, they're lawyers, right? So the law firms, even though we don't sell to law firms, you know, they've actually become, you know, very good kind of just um, proponents of ours, you know, because lawyers and firms, hey, these are still relationship businesses, right? And they want to be providing unique and creative solutions to their clients, the companies, Right. And for them to be able to present something that actually moves the needle on the amount of time and expense 
their clients are going to you know save um, in resolving these really painful issues. You know, it it's fantastic, right? And so that's been very exciting for us to have you know firms of all sizes, um, you know, actually out there recommending us uh, to their clients. Um, and so that's that that part of the business model is kind of that's that feels a little more like that you know traditional SaaS subscription um, you know type model uh, recurring revenue. How did you go about that in the early days of the your early days your go to market strategy? What was it that sort of allowed you to scale? What were some of the things you felt you and the team you know really did right, and um, you know still some of the challenges I guess you face today? Yeah, I think one of the things. That, you know, we we were very deliberate about from the very beginning was as we were building this, building this in a way that truly lifted up the entire, not just legal ecosystem, but business ecosystem. Right. And that includes law firms, companies, you know, the lawyers, individual practices, um, you know, cost predictability for finance teams, um, you know, how like the, the user experience for the arbitrators and mediators, all of those things. Right. And so I think we did that. I think. um pretty successfully in that, you know, it's evidenced by law firms, companies, everybody in, in kind of the entire ecosystem, um, you know, gravitating towards this, you know, and recommending this. Um, I, I think, you know, a, a lot of times, and it's not just in the legal industry, right? You have companies who like want to set out to try and disrupt, you know, a certain industry. Um, and a lot of times there's a little bit of, you know, I'm suddenly uh, forgetting the term, but, you know, it, it's, it's kind of at the cost, right, of of some other existing player in that industry. And, you know, that's something that we didn't think needed to happen here, right? Because when, at the end of the day, when that fundamental premise, premise is we are going to resolve our differences faster, more efficiently, and frankly, stay friends after, um, you know, that's good for everybody. And then market-wise, are you are you all in every sort of market, you know, in the country? Did you start yep. in Chicago? What's been kind of the the sort of geographical uh, footprint? Yeah, it's it's been U.S., but all across the U.S., right? Um, and and you know, like fortunately or unfortunately, we live in the most litigious country in the world, and so the U.S. market is is plenty big enough, you know, for us to tackle. Um, and, and you know, and and work within, you know, to build, you know, a sizable business. Um, but yes, you know, I mean, Nate, disputes by nature are kind of, you know, across states, right, in so many cases. Um, and so it's kind of hard to like geographically focus. As you continue to scale and you kind of look at this market, I mean, obviously from the competitive standpoint, it seems like one of the biggest ones is just inertia and and mm -hmm. you know kind of that human psycho psychological thing where it's like there's a really painful behavior uh it, it, it's just it, it's it's a real um it's a real uh you know sort of um i'm blanking on the word but it's 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 a situation where people sometimes don't uh even when there's a better more streamlined option um sometimes they don't go for that because there's just a way things have always been done um mm -hmm. do you feel though that in the future um you know that will change as a platform like yours scales does there still need to be some you know more public kind of um knowledge base around uh this process so that in 20 years from now uh you know people do think that technology is the way to go when i have some really really kind of emotional um you know argument or something that needs to get solved so i'm going to use a platform as opposed to you know uh you know a strong or high powered attorney or something like that is that is that yep. where you see this going in the future 
Yeah, well, well keep in mind, right? Our, our platform still includes all the same um, players as the current systems, right? So when people sue on our platform, a lot of times it's the, you know, they're still represented by lawyers, um, you know, and there's still this human arbitrator and mediator in the in between, which is kind of like akin to a judge, right? And so the, the look and feel of that in terms of the actual like process itself um, isn't so radical that I think people, you know, have to be, you know, kind of ha have to have it explained to them, right? But I think two areas, one is um, from a technology standpoint, uh, fortunately, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, COVID's really accelerated that, not just in the legal industry, but kind of across many industries, right? That like, hey, a lot of these things that we thought had to be done a certain way in person and whatever, you know, has, has actually been a lot of times better um, or just as good, right? Virtually and online. Um, and so that part's already unlocked that. And it's, we're definitely not looking at that as like a 20 year horizon. It's probably like a, you know, at most like one more year. Right. In terms of and fortunately, that's never been a hurdle anymore um, in terms of people wrapping their heads around, hey, can I get these legal disputes resolved virtually? The other element is, you know, kind of the, um, the much faster process. So that part, um, you know, fortunately, people are getting it. Uh, and that's one of the, the really exciting things going back to your you know, inertia question is. You know, I think lawyers, and I am one, right? Like we're naturally kind of risk averse people. And so the the early inertia has simply just been, you know, getting people to kind of due diligence on it and research, you know, how we're going about achieving resolutions in 60 days. Um, and fortunately, after they do that, they then adopt us. Uh, and so what's great is, you know, we're actually seeing some of that inertia kind of break. Um, I call it friction, right? Um, I mean, evidence by large companies already adopting us, medium-sized companies already adopting us, law firms recommending us, right? And this is all after they've done, you know, their own pretty intense, you know, lawyer diligence. Um, and so, you know, once we overcome that, I think that's where now, fortunately, our value proposition is just so incredibly easy to, to understand, right? You, you don't need to have been sued to know how painful it's going to be, you know, to go through a legal dispute. And then, when you talk to people who have been, I mean, the, you know, the, the words that come out of their mouths, I can't even repeat them on here because like it's, it's a visceral reaction. Um, and so fortunately the value proposition and our why, you know, it's, it's kind of incredibly easy for people to understand. And that's not something we need to kind of explain too much. And it does feel like you are in a sense, sort of leveling the playing field a little bit, um, for, for everybody. And I've watched enough episodes of Suits to know that uh, a lot of the time it can feel like you're in a position where, you know, the the counter, the party you're going up against has way more resources than you. Mm -hmm. um, but but with a solution like yours, you are sort of providing a path forward for people who may have felt, you know, hopeless or or just completely helpless against sort of uh, whoever is sort of, you know, on the other side of the table against them. So yeah, I mean, I have to imagine that was a real kind of, um, you know, sort of visceral moment of pride when you realize this is something that, you know, could work and we could actually get it to market and this could really impact people's lives across the country, world, maybe. For sure. But, you know, the the other side of the coin of like kind of the leveling the playing field is that this is also much better for the, the companies themselves, right? That organization that has all those resources, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, the misconception is like, oh, you know, these companies have all the resources. They want to kind of have, you know, kind of uh, whatever, impose that potential pain. Um, 
and use that as you know a little bit of a threat against you know these these uh in you know let's say like the small guy um the little guy right but the reality is you know and this is the feedback we get from firms and from large companies here's the reality is that like you know again fortunately or unfortunately in the US it's incredibly easy to sue someone yeah. Right. Um, it's not that hard. You like a lot of times the legal documents themselves don't need to be that long. Right. You just need to know how to kind of file it. And that's it. And once you do, you've pulled that large corporation into that process. They're in no matter what. And they're going to have to go through that process anyways. Right. And so you can take any large corporation. A lot of times what you read about in the news is like the large, you know, really large hundred million dollar billion dollar cases that they're dealing with. But what you never read about is this entire large, massive portfolio of just legal disputes all across the country that they're managing. And these are like the onesie twosies where you have individuals or small companies or whomever suing them over anywhere from you know $75,000 to you know $750,000, even like $7 million, a million, whatever. But all these cases are costing them incredible like amounts of resources to manage all these, litigate all these. And so for these companies... If they could also reduce the cost of just all of these cases they're handling that nobody ever hears about, you know, by potentially up to 90%, right? And, and we have we have data that had, you know, we've already been saving a company like anywhere, depending on the type of case, from 20 to 85%, you know, on their on their disputes and time and money spent. Right. So if a large company can reduce all of this by even 20%, right? Not even the 90. I mean, that moves the needle significantly, right? And whoever's managing that portfolio, frankly, is going to you know, have a really good day and probably you know, be very much appreciated. And so that's really the misconception. Um, and at the end of the day, what happens right now is it, going back to kind of what I talked about earlier about this one person suing this large company is that a lot of the decision making at the end and the way it's resolved is driven by like kind of the the pain that's currently being inflicted or the specter, right? The threat of that pain. Like that's not how we should be resolving disputes, right? The way we should resolve it, whether you're a person or a company is, did I actually do anything wrong? Because here's the thing, the flip side of that is there are many individuals who also bring frankly BS suits against companies, right? Because they know, again, I can drag them into this really painful process. Um, and that's not helping anybody, right? And so now like what we've created is finally just this, this dynamic where that pain and that specter of like everything, you know, like when you go into these, you think you just kind of assume right now that the other side's going to do stuff just to make it painful. Well, we've taken that away. And when you take that layer away and that dynamic away, now it's, did I do something wrong or not? Right. And as a company, you probably shouldn't litigate it if you did something wrong. And it is an individual. Now it's like, you know, bring the case only when you, you've actually been wronged. Um, so in that sense, you know, again, kind of elevating, you know, just the entire industry and, you know, just the business world, right? Relationships are going to be better. Company to company, individual to individual, company to individual. I mean, across the board, there's going to be way less acrimony and animosity. And we're already starting to see this, right? In these like kind of individual cases that'll just get knocked out and resolved. Yeah, no, I, I think it makes so much sense. And uh, I hope I never get sued. But if I do, uh, I know exactly where I'm going first. Um, <laughs> I wanted to touch on something you mentioned earlier in the episode. And, and this is more of a, you know, philosophical question. You know, for somebody like you, uh, you know, you go to law school, you work at a law firm. What was that decision like for you? Uh, when you realized, you know, that first fintech startup you joined? I mean, what was, was there just a, a 
a burning desire to get to a earlier stage company. How did you kind of handle that sort of risk you were taking from leaving? I'm sure a very steady and lucrative job as a lawyer and sort of diving mm-hmm. into the very deep end of, you know, early stage, uh, sub 10 people company. What was that? What was that experience like for you? You know, I think I was fortunate that I kind of, you know, had some self-reflection and self-awareness pretty early on, right? Um, Because, you know, I I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a patent lawyer. I became a patent lawyer, right? I went to, got an engineering degree, went to law school, became a patent lawyer. It's a good job. And it's a really, really interesting profession, right? But for me, I knew that, like, I just kind of knew that I I like being out there, helping build and evolve something. I like the challenge of that. Um, And so it was only after a year at a law firm, you know, that I decided to jump and take a role, basically a, a role that's, you know, the, the best way to describe it is, you know, intellectual property kind of investment banking. So I was doing basically going from writing patents to brokering a lot of technology transactions, buy side and sell side, um, you know, underpinned by a lot of intellectual property. And so what that looked like would be, you know, on the sell side, helping um, large corporations divest a lot of technology, you know, that they weren't really using. Um, and literally finding the other side of that deal, writing the pitch book, doing the valuations, whole nine yards, um, and then helping you know close that deal. Buy side got even more interesting because that took me out to Asia. Um, and so not only was I already helping build this kind of business at this this uh, this firm that I went to, this next company, uh, I shouldn't call it a firm because um, uh, it's not a law firm, right? But what got really interesting was on the buy side, um, took me to Asia, uh, a lot of it in kind of Chinese speaking countries, you know, I speak Chinese and um, Taiwanese fluently, but I was in Taiwan a lot, a lot of emerging technology companies there coming out, wanting to buy a lot of these technology assets on the market. And so actually advising them, you know, as, you know, as a buyer rep um, and, and brokering those, but at the same time, growing our presence and growing our awareness, you know, in a basically a foreign market. Um, so I did that across two different companies. Um, and then for me, the funny part for me and the reason I want, went to law school and the reason I wanted to become a patent lawyer was I thought I'd be patenting like just the brand new, the newest gadgets, the newest tech. Um, what nobody told me at the time was, you know, I mean, I love gadgets, right? But you're not patenting like the iPhone. You're patenting one of the 12,000 things inside that iPhone. Um, and it's, I mean, the people who do this are incredibly smart. Um, I, I don't count myself as one of them because I left after a year, but I'm like, I want, I love tech. Right. And so that was the ultimate thing that was like, all right, when this opportunity came up to actually join a tech company, especially early stage and be a part of not just building and involving that business, but also building and evolving the product. Um, you know, that was really appealing, you know? And so even though I joined, you know, both these companies as, you know, kind of general counsel, you know, always, you know, my best days, my favorite days were always the ones where I was working across the company, whether it was with products, with sales, helping actually improve sales motions, you know, at both companies, um, at, you know, it, it, advising on product and actually, you know, being part of a lot of product discussions, because a lot of the things that I did, especially as a lawyer, I, you know, I'm not one of those that likes to just write policies and just have a bunch of rules in place, especially in a tech company where you can actually kind of make it part of the product, right? And it, it's much more easy for people to, you know, kind of adopt these things when you just productize it. Um, and so long story short, that's what took me to the tech world was actually being able to be part of these these early stage, you know, innovative ideas that I could, I could get excited about um, and then helping kind of evolve those. And so that was, you know, my previous two companies. Yeah, I mean, it all kind of 
it's one of those things where once you connect the dots after the yep. fact, it actually makes a ton of sense that this is yep. exactly where you'd be. I'm sure at the time, you know, it wasn't uh, as mm -hmm. you know as clear where this would all end up. But I think now, yep. now it makes a ton of sense. Um, well, I'd love to finish up by just chatting about you know any big you know anything big on the horizon for new Air ADR um, for the rest of the year. Or, you know, in the next six to twelve months, anything you guys are looking to uh, accomplish. I know you had a funding round last year, so you know probably mm -hmm. no nothing on that front. But um, yeah, anything major, you know, what's sort of the next big push you all are looking to make? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, like you said, we, we did close that round. We're fortunate um, that we've, you know, kind of been running a pretty efficient business um, since day one. Um, and so from certainly that cash position, we're in a good position. Um, so we've been, you know, kind of focused on spending time building the team, um, bringing in a lot of, I mean, frankly, just superstars. Um, you know, so we're really, really fortunate to have, you know, now a team of 12, um, soon to be 13, um, you know, across the business, you know, people who can build and stand up entire functions within a company, um, you know, uh, like that, that part's been really, really exciting. Right. And then of course, over the next year, it's really kind of refining the sales motion. Um, you know, like we already have a good sense of it. It's breaking that friction that we talked about. Like everything that we'll be doing is to keep building that trust um, with, you know, even more attorneys and the, the even more of the legal market, right? So that that way, you know, we overcome that hesitation that, you know, everybody has, um, but especially I think lawyers uh, around like that, that fear of being first, right? But fortunately, they're not first anymore. There, there are many kind of large players who've already adopted us. And that's, so now it's, okay, how do we kind of keep, you know, accelerating that? Um, on the product side, you know, that's where things will also get, you know, much more interesting, right? We're really starting to sharpen um, kind of the rest of the, you know, true like, kind of technology roadmap, right? Because as you can probably gather from what I said earlier, part of, you know, our innovation has to be not necessarily like the business model and the process itself. But then the tech is a huge component to that. Um, what we built, what I described earlier was just table stakes, right? It's bringing... And, you know, tech industry engineering principles and design principles to the legal world, um, you know, with a heavy focus on usability, UI, UX, you know, the whole nine yards. But now it's OK. Now, now let's figure out, you know, some of the really, really interesting things that we can do with this platform, you know, that basically all of it geared towards helping provide, you know, information or helping, you know, provide signals and guidance to get people to resolve their differences faster. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are very excited to see what's next on the runway uh, for new Air ADR. And as I said, very proud uh, to uh, to be able to interview a, 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 you know, a great portfolio company. And, uh, you know, Eric is Eric's one of my favorite folks here at Alumni Ventures, sit right down the hall from him. So, uh, you know, wish we could have gotten him on this episode. But uh, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, telling us the story of new Air ADR. And uh, like, as I said, would love to have you back on the show whenever that next mi major milestone happens uh, and, uh, you know, talk more about how the business is doing. So thank you so much for hopping on Chicago Capital. Can't wait to do it again soon. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. Take care. All right. Take care.